0: When you're smiling, hey you! Bubbly sparkling water is crisp, refreshing, and perfect for any occasion. Kind of like my voice, but in a can. No calories, no sweeteners, all smiles. Bubbly. Crack a smile. This episode is brought to you by Google. Google's two step verification was built to secure your account and help prevent cyber attacks, even if your password is compromised. That's why Google has made it easy to sign into your account with this additional layer of protection. Just one tap and you're in. Learn more at safety.google. Hello, movie lovers. Welcome to the Best Damn Movie related Show here on the internet. This is your host as always for movie lovers tonight, John DiGordio. And I just want to say it's an honor and a privilege to be able to talk about movies in front of a virtual water cooler. And for today's podcast, we have Adam Driver walking out of an interview with NPR Radio. A Quiet Place 2 trailer dropped yesterday, so I'm going to be talking about that, followed by Hansel and Gretel. That's right. We're having another Hansel and Gretel movie in January yet again, just like when we had Hansel and Gretel, the Witch Hunter movie, which wasn't all that great. But this is actually going to be more close to what the fairy tale is for Hansel and Gretel. I'm going to be talking about that. Then we have an actual release date for the WandaVision movie or TV series for Disney+. Plus. So, we're going to be talking about that. But first off, I want to go ahead and talk about something real quick. We, you know, a couple of months ago, I had Creighton Hobbs on the show. And I got a chance to actually interview him and his actress, Selena North. And I just have to say this. They did a fantastic job explaining to me what the plot is for their movie. And how excited Creighton was actually... Uh, about actually making this film and how passionate he is with the film not only that but I just want to say this Jenny Lambert which is also his his photographer and director assistant and I'm gonna be honest with you ever since I met Jenny ever since you know I did the interview she's been a big follower of Movie Loves Night, She's been a big follower with the podcast, sharing my podcast, promoting my podcast, and just giving me advice here and there with different things. And, you know, over New Year's Eve, her house burned down. And I feel like in my heart that I should at least try and do something rather than nothing at all. And a matter of fact, Crane Hobbs actually has a GoFundMe. For Jenny, if you want to, you can go on ahead and hit the link below in the description of the GoFundMe. And you'll be able to donate some money towards it. that way. I understand that it's before, after Christmas and after the holidays and everything. Maybe people don't really have that much money. But if you want to, go on ahead and donate something. I'm going to be doing that once I get paid. And, you know, every dollar counts. It doesn't have to be a huge amount or anything like that. You know, every even a dollar would actually help. Is better than nothing at all, but I understand if people can't do it. This is not me trying to promote anything or anything like that. I just feel like it's something that's in my heart that's laid up upon me to try and lay out to you guys on what on trying to help somebody out, especially someone that's an independent film a director's assistant and photographer, and especially whenever they're trying to actually make some piece of art for us to actually enjoy. So I want to just be able to give back to Jenny and everything for the wonderful support that she actually gave me. And matter of fact, she's supposed to be helping Creighton with his biography, uh, biopic and everything else that he's supposed to be doing sometime soon. And I can't wait to actually get the chance maybe to actually interview him again sometime in the future. But anyways, that's my little piece of information that I wanted to drop here. I know it's a little bit of a sad piece of information for people to process or whatever, but I just felt like that was laid upon my heart, something that I really wanted to actually do, otherwise it would be eating me alive. So, now I want to get on with the show. Um, As everybody knows, Adam Driver walked out of an interview with NPR Radio, and some people are saying, well, how dare he do this, and stuff like that. Here's the thing. These actors and actresses are not obligated to do an interview or a press junket. If they take time out of their busy schedule to go ahead and actually promote their movie and if they don't want to go ahead and sit through an interview they don't actually have to sit through an interview and i never actually felt like when you're interviewing somebody that i'm that they have no choice but to be interviewed by me i feel like i'm not doing them a service or a favor it's just them helping being able to promote their movie in the way that they want to be promoted And here's another thing, too. With Aaron Driver, he's not the type of person that actually likes looking at himself on the big screen or anything like that. He doesn't like looking at his own work. And you know what? As somebody that does podcasting... I never go back and listen to my own voice because I don't like the sound of my own voice. So, therefore, I'm going to be my own worst critic whenever I'm listening to other episodes. So, basically, I'll just go on ahead and listen to my... Go on ahead, do my podcast, and that's it. I won't go and listen to anything else. And, of course, i also listen to some of the fans and stuff like that, too, on what they think. But I never go on ahead and listen to my own voice. Another thing, too, is a few months before he was on NPR... Radio. He actually told them well, in another interview that he doesn't want any clips, anything of him to be played while he's doing the interview. Well, I don't know what they were thinking. I don't know what the rationalization is on why they decided to do this to Adam. But I feel like that they shouldn't have played a clip of a movie that he was in if he felt uncomfortable with uh, with his performance or anything like that because he said it specifically a month beforehand I do not want a clip to be shown of me in any way of shape or fashion and then here they here he is here they are trying to do exactly the opposite of what they he asked them not to do to me this is just like having a guest at your house per se and your guest says I don't like that and or anything like that. So are you going to do keep on doing it just because of the fact that you're being ignorant? Or are you are going to stop and not even do what your guest asked you to do because they find it either offensive or they just don't like it at all? So are you going to treat that guest with respect? Absolutely. Because here's the thing. You want what's best for your guest. You want to actually make your guest feel welcome. And that's the way I feel. I mean, I don't like the fact that, you know... These interviewers went on ahead and did the opposite of what Adam Driver said for them not to do. And he had every right to go on hand and walk out. This is not the first actor to actually walk out of a press junket or an interview or anything like that. I want to say RDJ was one of the one of the people that actually walked out of the interview at one time. I'm not 100% sure. I'm going to have to look that up. But it's a whole fact, though. You're disrespecting the person person by doing that to them and I think it's justifiable to the fact that you know you're not suppo- that he didn't want it done so he walked out. I think it's very justifiable. You're doing something that he told you not to do and you're doing the exact opposite and in the end he walked out, walked out. And not only that, but he's actually gotten a lot of good buzz lately. And I'm not talking about what Star Wars or anything like that. I'm talking about like his other movies aside from that. When you look at his Netflix movie um a Marriage Story and a couple of his other movies off of Amazon and stuff like that. He's making a big name for himself now, and I really like Adam Driver as an actor. I liked him in Logan Lucky. I liked him in a couple of other things, and the guy has really good acting chops. And you know, I wouldn't be surprised that he's actually going to be a contender for the Academy Awards for this year. But what I have, but what I have to say is, I, he had every right to go and hit it and walk out of that interview. Because like I said, nobody is actually obligated to sit down and do an interview. And nobody is, and the interviewer shouldn't feel like that they're doing themselves a favor by having an actor there. They're there to actually help promote a certain movie. And if they don't want to be a part of it, don't don't push the issue. That's just the way I feel about it. So, there's that. And now I'm going to be talking about A Quiet Place 2. The trailer got released yesterday, and I want to say this: I, like I said, in my most anticipated movie uh, list, I wasn't sure where the where they were gonna go with this or anything like that. I wasn't sure it was gonna be like a prequel story or a sequel or anything like that. But the way they actually are doing it is, it's actually a sequel, and I actually like the idea that it's a sequel rather than a prequel right now. Because of the fact that you want to know after the events of that farmhouse. of how, When they escape, what's the aftermath of that. And it also looks like too that this is actually going into maybe a little bit of flashbacks as well. As to the pre-apocalyptic world that we actually knew from the aspect of A Quiet Place Part 1. And I like the fact that they're actually showing us what they actually had to do to try and survive during that those first couple of days or whatever. And then it goes into present day where... She's actually on the run from these alien like beings or apocalyptic kind of monsters that are uh, that are attacking them, and then not only that, but you also have this guy who's a sniper and he has this thing booby trapped, and she winds up tripping the wire and he realizes that you know these are not bad people or anything like that because number one, they all have a common enemy they're they're trying to survive against these apocalyptic kind of monsters. So he goes on ahead, goes down, tries to help them, and he tells them not to say anything. Of course, you already know if they make a noise, they're dead. But the fact is that you still have the baby that they actually had in the very first um, Quiet Place movie, and then of course you also have the deaf girl and the brother. And I have to say, I mean, I was on the edge of my seat just from the trailer alone. I really cannot, w- I cannot wait until I see a Quiet Place part uh, part two, and I know some people really didn't like A Quiet Place Part One, some people were let down by the ending, I totally get that, I really do, but for me, Quiet Place Part One actually worked for me, it worked, uh, quite well, I like the originality behind it, and stuff like that, I understand too, that maybe, you know, when people are actually, uh, hyping up the movie for their friends to go see, there's these big, huge expectations, and then when those expectations are not met. Or anything like that. Their expectations are now lowered. To the point where it's kind of like overhyped. And I kind of... I actually get that. I actually get that perspective. Because there's actually a couple of movies that my friends tell me to go and check out. And they put put this movie on a high mantle. To the point where... I'm like, okay. I'm energized. I'm ready to go. I got my popcorn. I have my soda. I'm ready to go on ahead and enjoy this flick. And then once the movie starts playing... Sometimes it's amplified down to a medium to where... Yeah, it was okay. It was good for a one-time watch, but I really don't really feel like watching it. So I got the I got the whole entire reason why some people would not might not be into a quiet place. But for me, it actually worked as a horror film. I actually enjoyed that movie a lot. It was actually on my best movies uh, of two thousand nineteen. So there's that. But you know, I really have to say it though. I mean. If you like good originality, good original uh, horror movies, check out A Quiet Place. It's actually a pretty good movie. Um, And like I said, I mean, this is actually one of those movies that you can actually watch at least maybe one time and then enjoy. Or you can watch it three or four times. But as for part two of the trailer, it sold me. I'm excited to go and see this movie. And by the way, I did mess up on the release date of the very first movie. I know it came out a couple of years ago. So I apologize for that. But... Quiet Place Part 1. You can't go wrong. And now I'm going to move down to Hassel and Gretel. And this is really creepy if you think about it. This is going to be released on January 31st. And I can get this. I know that if you're in the movie business or in the movie world or the entertainment business, January is pretty much the toilet bowl season for movies in general. Uh, with a couple of ex- uh, exceptions when you have America Sniper and a couple of other movies that came out a couple of years back where they actually uh, did a fantastic job with them. But pretty much January is the Toilet Bowl season for movies. And, you know, Hansel and Gretel, I'm glad that they actually are sticking with the fairy tale type of story rather than letting it be like part of the witch hunter thing, like, witch- and like what they w- did with Jeremy Irons. Or, I forgot what the guy, the guy who plays Hawkeye. Anyways, I, here's the thing. I didn't really care for that movie that much or anything like that. It was good for a one-time watch. It's one of those movies that you don't really have to take serious or anything like that. But with this movie, you can actually tell that they're actually trying to go for the creepy element. And they're actually sticking with the fairy tale based setting. And then you also have this Wicked Witch Who's in the middle of the woods. And these and the brother and sister goes into this house. And it's made out of candy and everything else. And it goes into the whole entire different mythology of Hansel and Gretel. That we haven't even seen before. So I liked how they have like maybe a little bit of a spin on it. Instead of making it something that we already know and grew up with. With our fairy tales. So I like that spooky element. I love the dark element to it. The little bit of a gothic apocalyptic kind of feel to it. And, you know, I think it's actually going to be a pretty good movie per se. I don't really know right now. But, you know, I went in into uh, thinking that this movie might not even be that great or anything like that. Because we haven't even seen a trailer. And now all of a sudden we have a trailer to it. And I'm, I'm sold on it. I think it might actually be pretty decent for a good horror movie. So, you know, there's that. And now I'm going to be talking about the WandaVision being in 2020. So sometime this year, we're supposed to be getting WandaVision, which is actually part of the Disney Plus streaming service. I'm not 100% sure if that's going to be a movie or last time I read, it was going to be a sitcom. And I think that this is actually a smart move for Disney to move it up. Because for instance, if you look at the fact that people are going to be canceling out on, excuse me, on Disney Plus, Because of the fact that The Mandalorian has actually ended for Season 1. And now people are actually backing out of Disney Plus because there's nothing else to watch. So therefore, unless they want to go ahead and revisit their old uh, childhood and everything. Which is what I'm doing with Disney Plus. Because I like having the nostalgia to it. To where I'm actually revisiting old Disney originals from the Disney Channel. To revisiting my childhood. To different things. So I like actually having that little bit of nostalgia to it. Not only that, but I'm also watching The World According to Jeff, which is actually the Jeff Goldblum uh, series that they actually have out where he's actually questioning certain things you know, on why we like certain stuff and things like that. I actually like that. So to have like a little bit of a of a bio thing for it, I like that as a series. But it's not enough to actually keep people entertained to where they want to actually keep their... Disney packages to where they're like, you know what? I think I'm going to keep my Disney Plus because I like this Jeff Goldblum's show. Or I like this because of this or that. So after The Mandalorian is over with, they probably actually knew that they were going to have some majority of the people dropping out of seeing Mandalorian and everything. Mandalorian and canceling their Disney Plus subscription. So I'm not surprised that they actually moved this up to 2020. But I'm also thinking, too, this is actually part of their storytelling ideas and stuff like that as well. So I'm thinking that there's something a lot deeper than just people canceling out on their Disney Plus services. Because I think that Kevin Feige a smart businessman as to whenever he's doing his producing and everything else. And putting these characters in the places that they actually need to be in at the right time. And here's my thing. I've always, I've been saying this for a while. So, if you heard me say this, you can either turn this podcast off or pass forward or whatever you want to do. But, here's my thing with WandaVision. Because after WandaVision, we're going to have Doctor Strange. And what I'm thinking is, here, here's the thing. I believe that in her mind, Vision is still alive in her mind. And while she, he's still alive in her mind, our world is falling apart. We have probably a apocalyptic kind of thing going on in New York City. Where you have winds, storms, earthquakes, stuff like that going on. And while she's over there being happy-go-lucky. Our world is going to hell in a handbasket. And this also opens up portals for other beings to actually come in. Like we can actually get probably the X-Men, Ghost Rider. We can get Blade in there. We can get all these beings in this in there. But here's the thing. I don't want them to show us that. I want there's I want there to be some kind of mystery on how they actually came into New York at a certain given time, whenever this whole entire thing happened with Wanda, which actually makes a lot more sense. It gives you a little bit more mystery to it. Not only that, but I would love to see Ghost Rider. I would love to see the X Men in this universe. I would love to see the Fantastic Four in this universe. I believe that that would be an actual good transition to actually have. All your Fox property into the MCU universe and we can actually have our universe being built up a lot more. And not only that, but I also think too, this opens up the doorway for Doctor Strange because of the fact that you can actually introduce the Nightmare Realm. Even though we actually got a little bit of a glimpse of the Nightmare Realm and Ant-Man and the Wasp, but not enough to actually go on. But I believe once Wanda is tearing this world apart, the Nightmare Realm becomes a reality to where it, it, where Nightmare can actually come out and haunt everybody's dreams and eat people's dreams because that's what he actually does. He's like the Freddy Cougar of the MCU universe. So I'm thinking that's how they're actually going to have this thing played out. I'm hoping that I'm right. But if I'm, if I'm, not, I'm not a writer, I don't think that... What I'm thinking is actually going to be what happens. But hey, I think that's actually going to be the most logical sense that you can actually think of. Not only that, but Doctor Strange also has to go into Wanda's mind and tear her world apart and be like, Well, Tony died because of you. This happened because of you. This happened because of you. And while he's tearing her world apart and everything and almost basically killing her, our world is slowly starting to come back together again to where the building blocks are actually being built back up again. And everything may look all nice and crisp on the ins- on the outside, but on the inside of the whole entire thing, the portals already opened up. They're probably already closed up after the after he winded up destroying every single memory that Wanda already have had and everything. So there's that. So he doesn't realize that there's portals already open and already closed. So he thinks that everything's all happy and go lucky. All of a sudden, we're introduced into. A new Doctor Strange movie where he's facing Nightmare. And I cannot wait to see this movie. Like I said. I'm a huge... Nightmare is actually one of my favorite characters in the MCU. Besides Morbius. Besides Venom. They, he's actually one of my favorite villains when you're thinking of it. Like I said. He's like the Freddy Cougar of the MCU universe and the comic book universe. And he can... Tr- and get this. He's actually part of the Nightmare realm itself. So it makes me excited it makes me it makes me really sweaty just even thinking about that so that's my little take on on that I hope you guys actually enjoy this As a matter of fact I'm actually gonna have my friend Rick. On the show with me Sunday. And we're going to talk about our favorite movies of the decade. I was going to do it today. But I want to hold off. And actually have somebody with me. So we can actually talk about our favorite movies. So we're going to do that Sunday. And hopefully I'll be able to do a little bit something for tomorrow. Or the week or Saturday. So anyway. Something we guys think. Did you guys like. Some of the topics I talked about. Let me know in the comments below. Not, not only that, but give me a voicemail message. Let me know what you guys think. Share this podcast with it. Just with anybody that and support. Go on ahead and support podcasters and stuff like that because I love doing what I'm doing. I love having the independent feel of talking about movies and talking about things that I'm passionate about. And of course, also too donate some money towards Jenny Lambert, she desperately needs people's help right now and lift her up, and of course, until next time bye bye okay, so I just want to apologize to one of my fans for missing out on their question, I'm sorry Creighton I didn't mean to go ahead and miss out on your question or anything like that, my ADD that's what I'm going to blame it on, because of the fact that I can, because I have ADD but anyways, I forgot to actually answer your question. And that question was, do I think that all of the streaming services that are now available for everyone to watch movies, has it hurt or helped movie theaters? And here's the thing. You can go one way or the other with this question. So I'm going to go with both, both ways here on how I can answer this. First off, has it helped movie theaters? To be, to be honest with you, it really doesn't even matter at all whenever it comes down to the streaming service itself because of the fact people do go see big budget movies still opposed to actually staying at home and watching these Netflix original movies or Hulu originals and stuff like that. Some people can't afford going to the movie theater so they will go on ahead and watch certain uh, Hulu originals or Hulu or stuff that's on Hulu or Netflix or Disney+. Plus. And stuff like that. So there's that. But has it helped at all? And the reason... This is what I'm going to say. In one aspect, it did help because of the Irishman. Because the Irishman is the one that actually changed the way that they can actually make movies. Because here's the thing. Steven Spielberg basically said that, you know, Netflix movies are not real movies because you're sitting at home. Well... Mortimer Scalzi's movie is, was played at several different theaters before it was actually released on Netflix. So therefore now it can actually get nominated for an Academy Award because of the fact that it was actually released in the movie theaters. So there's that aspect of the fact that... Streaming services actually helped movie theaters because of the fact that they did release a certain movie at a limited time. So, therefore, that movie was able to make a little bit of money. Not only that, but even if you look at Adam Sandler's Uncut Gems, which is actually in the movie theaters right now. And it's going to be released into the Netflix streaming service pretty soon. And it could even get Adam Sandler into an Academy Award winning performance. And, you know, I always believed that he was into the whole entire dramatic acting chops. And I think that that could actually help his movie a lot by actually putting it temporarily in a movie. let him make a couple of um a couple of million in the box office, and then get it switched over to the streaming service. Now, on the other hand, like I said, you have your Hulu originals, your Netflix originals, Disney Plus originals, and then pretty soon we're actually going to have HBO Max. You're going to have a lot of other streaming services and everything else too. But here's the thing. This is how I look at it. I think that movie theaters are still going to be around and everything because people want to see those big, huge budget movies compared to like smaller uh, projects with Netflix originals or Netflix original movies and stuff like that. People are still going to go out and see a certain movie because of the fact that it interests them. Not only that, but people are now sold on big franchise movies and they're not really sold on small independent projects like they used to be back in the 90s when we used to have a big, huge commodity of people that would actually go out and support a small film. And, you know, that's one thing about streaming services that I really like is the fact that, you know, you have independent filmmakers and independent actors that are actually in the streaming world now to where they can actually be noticed a little bit. But I feel like, too, that if you want to go out and support uh, independent movie. You know you can go on ahead and go to your theater and ask for them to play that certain movie and that's how Peanut Butter Falcon got played over at my theater was because I actually asked them if they would actually play Peanut Butter Falcon at that movie theater and several other people also asked for it then next thing you know it, they winded up playing Peanut Butter Falcon, which is also a small independent film. Another example of that is you know, Christian-based movies and stuff like that. There was one Christian-based movie that came out. I forgot what the name of it was, but there were several people that actually wanted to see that particular movie. So they went on ahead and they asked that movie theater, can you go on ahead and put this movie out for us to watch? So we, they actually had enough people where they said, you know what, there's enough interest in this movie for us to go ahead and put this out in the movie theater. So we're going to go on ahead and do it that way. So I believe that, you know, if it wasn't for positive word of mouth or anything like that, I believe that smaller films would, streaming services would actually hurt smaller films because people wouldn't want to go out and see them because they would rather see, like, for instance, Avengers Endgame, big budget movies, people that are actually familiar with other people, people's characters versus something that they're not familiar with. And I'm always sold on the fact that, you know, I love small independent films over big budget films. And I believe that you can actually make a decent movie without spending $250 million and you can make your money back. But streaming services in in itself is a very tricky thing. Because we don't actually know how they actually make their money or anything like that. But I feel like, you know, that... This can go either way. I mean, it could either make or break the movie theaters in certain ways. But at the same time, people are still going out to see movies and stuff like that right now. I don't really see a lot of people not going to the movie theaters until they actually do this. This is how I think that it's going to be totally in danger. It, uh, movie theaters are going to be in danger. Is The fact is, when you put these big, huge budget movies in the movie theaters and... They also say, you know what? People are actually bootlegging these movies still. You know what we're going to do? We're going to release this movie onto the streaming services because of the fact I don't want this movie to be stolen anymore. So they release uh, one movie in for two weeks. Two weeks is gone. Next thing you know, it's on the streaming service. So... I'm hoping that they don't go down that road where you only get to see a movie in the movie theater for a certain limited time. And bingo, it's on the streaming service for everyone to see because they don't want people to bootleg or pirate their movies on their art. So that's one thing that I'm scared of. That's the only way that I can actually see movie theaters being, being well, pretty much feeling with streaming services. But anyways, that's my little tip of... The day with my little question of the day that I want to answer as for who who I want to be played, who what actor I would love for them to uh, do a biopic of me. of To be honest with you, if I could pick any actor to play me, it would be Michael Sarah or Christopher Mintz. Those two actors are from the Super Bad movies. Not only that, but I also—if you actually know me in person—I'm super, super awkward when it comes to certain things and stuff like that too. So I'm not—you not be tall and lanky or anything like that, but I am a total dork in a certain sense. And also too, I am really socially awkward. So those would be the two people that I would actually cast as myself. So. Who would you cast as me? That's what I would like to know. So anyways, that's all I have time for for right now. And until next time, bye bye.